Welcome to Season 5 of the Life Giver Podcast, a place for honest conversation and hope that will breathe life back into your military or first responder marriage. Welcome to Season 5 of the Life Giver Podcast. This is your host, Corey Weathers. If this is the first time that you are joining me for the Life Giver Podcast, I want to say welcome. There is a lot of really great content in previous seasons. I hope you'll go back and enjoy some of those episodes. Um, this season, we are so excited. Um, there's some great guests that I've already recorded the interviews, and I've been working hard on kind of planning out the season, and there's lots of great stuff that's coming. So you know, I take a break every Wednesday. Those of you who've been listening for a while know that I take a break from at least the podcast during the holidays. And then usually I kind of need January to recover from the holidays and actually make sure that I have for real taken a sabbatical. And so the podcast usually comes back around February. So this is the first episode of season five. And I thought I would take a little bit of time today to just talk about what I kind of thought about and learned over the sabbatical um, and kind of introduce some things that are happening that's new and what you can anticipate for season five. I know I'm super excited about it. There's lots to happen in 2020 that I'm excited to share. So um, one of the big things that I wanted to share is that I decided that it was time for me to ask for help. And I'm so blessed that um, LifeGiver is doing great, not just the podcast, but the content on the website. If you've not been to the website, it's life-giver.org. And there's lots of great blog entries. It's the main platform where you're going to find um, previous podcast episodes. Um, and it also is the home of the Life Giver directory. And I don't think that I've had a chance to really talk about that on the podcast. And so I hope to do that a little bit more during this season. I'm very proud of the directory. It's growing. And basically what it is, is it is a fully functional searchable map. And as a clinician doing counseling with military and first responder families, one of my biggest pet peeves, one of my biggest frustrations is I hear from families all the time, specifically service families all the time, that they're really struggling to find a counselor that they feel like is competent in the service culture and someone that really understands their circumstances and understands what they go through every day. And um, I've heard lots of just terrible horror stories of um, counselors just saying things that I would never say um, or just just not really knowing what to say. Um, and then service families don't go back to counseling. And that breaks my heart because the other thing that I feel like I see every single day is just how much need there is out there. And so it's one of my passions and one of my goals to reduce the stigma of mental health. I go to counseling. I'm very open about that. Um, I don't go at every assignment that we're in. We've only been here for a year in Leavenworth, so I haven't been able to do it here. I might at the next location. Um, but it's something that I'm very open about because it's so healthy and it feels great to go into a counseling session, especially if you can find a good counselor and talk about yourself for an hour. That's really all it is. It's wonderful. And so one of my passions is to reduce the stigma for sure. But also another one of my passions is to train up 
and find these clinicians that are culturally competent, passionate to serve you, um, that know what they're doing and really have devoted their life and career to helping service families. And I know as a military spouse clinician that there's a lot of other military spouses out there that are clinicians that are building their career or have a career or want to um, make their career stronger. There's a lot of clinicians out there that are veterans. There's a lot of clinicians that are first responder spouses, um, and especially if they have actual personal experience in the service culture, in the service community, then they are especially culturally competent. And it's just become a real big passion of mine to find those clinicians and to highlight them and help you find them. Um, I can't tell you just how often an organization will ask me or a, a family will even ask me for help finding them a referral, a clinician local in their area. And I kind of got frustrated because I was digging into psychology today, like the rest of you guys trying to dig through profiles and try to find a clinician that seemed competent in the issues and then go to their website and dig through their website just in case maybe they said something or anything about being passionate about serving service families, or maybe they were a military spouse themselves. And I just got really frustrated. And I'm sure a lot of you have been there and have gotten frustrated too. And I also spent some time last year helping Baylor University and the Chris Kyle Frog Foundation develop actual curriculum for clinicians to um, be more competent in working with service families and service marriages. And so it was definitely a passion of mine. So I decided I'm going to create a directory where I can find these clinicians and make those referrals. And maybe it would be easier for you to find someone in your area too. So the Life Giver directory is available and it is on life-giver.org where you can find um, a, an amazing, beautiful map and you can zoom in on your location and see if there is a clinician that has registered for the directory and listed their profile and practice on the map. And you can read all about them. Some of them have embedded videos on their profiles. You can see a picture of them. You can see their license and how to verify their license. Um, it's just really great. And I'm very proud of it. So I worked really hard on that last year especially um, thanks to Healing Household 6, an amazing nonprofit that works with veterans and veteran families who um, gave me a grant to help me start the Life Giver directory um, and get the right software going. And so you can zoom in on the map and find somebody. You can also search some for someone specific. So you can look um, for a military spouse that's a clinician, if that's what you want. You can search easily for a veteran clinician, if that's what you're looking for. The other thing it can do is you can search for whether or not that provider um, takes TRICARE or works with children or adolescents or pretty much any keyword that that clinician uses to describe their practice is searchable within the database. So I'm so excited about the directory. It's um, It looks good. It works good. Um, I'm really excited about the organizations that are supporting it and pointing to the directory because they see it as a valuable resource for them as well. And um, I couldn't be more proud. And that brings me to where I need your help. Um, I really don't want just any clinician to sign up for the directory. Um, I really want it to be 
a list of clinicians that service families have had good experiences with. And um, so I'm giving you the opportunity to help me build this directory by submitting clinicians that maybe you have worked with that you would recommend to other service families. So if you've worked with a counselor, you've been to marriage counseling or individual counseling, or your kids have been in counseling, and you had a really good experience with a clinician, I am asking you to go to the Life Giver site and there's a place where you can recommend a clinician. All you have to do is give me their name and um, a little bit of contact information, whether it's an email address, a phone number, a website, something like that. And I will do a personal invite to that clinician to um, let them sign up to be on the Life Giver directory. So I need your help and I want to hear from you. So if there's somebody that you really appreciate it, just um, shoot me a message, whatever's easiest, and let me know who that clinician is. And I'll be happy to reach out to them um, anonymously. Of course, I won't mention your name, but um, just to ask them to join the directory so other families can find them. So please, please go check out life-giver.org and see all that we're doing on there. I mentioned earlier that one of the things that came up for me that's new is that I decided to reach out for help and um, create more of a team approach with everything that's happening with LifeGiver. And so I'm pleased to um, update all of you to let you know that my good friend Jennifer Hamrick has joined the LifeGiver team to help me uh, make sure that everything that we're putting out through LifeGiver is awesome and practical and giving you a lot of encouragement and that it's really great content. Um, it was really nice to get to a place where I needed to multiply myself. And I, if you've worked with me with strength finder, or you've listened to previous episodes, you know, I'm a huge fan of working with within people's strengths and Jennifer has the strength of communication and she's also got achiever in there. And so I was really excited to have her on board to help me with the life giver newsletter. And so if you have not subscribed to the Life Giver newsletter, with Jennifer's help, it is outstanding. And there's so many great things happening already. I'm so thankful that she's on the team. Lisa Walters, um, I think she's still out at JBLM. Jennifer is in Germany, both military spouses. They're doing such a great job helping me. And so Lisa helps with editing. And so the Life Giver newsletter, you can subscribe on the website, the Life Giver website. Um, it is not a place that we're not trying to sell you things. It's really about an extension of even the podcast of offering you encouraging, um, content and also content that's honest. And so you can subscribe to the newsletter. It comes out twice a month around the same time that the podcasts come out and you'll hear about the podcast episodes. Um, she's also doing a great job pulling content from the life giver group page. So if you're on Facebook, if you go over to my Facebook page. You can look up Corey Weathers Life Giver. There's actually a group page that we have where you can be in conversation with other service um, couples. And it's a great place to bring up topics and talk about um, service-related issues, um, service-related marriage topics. And um, Jennifer's doing a really great job of crowdsourcing and asking good questions. And then she's able to pull uh, everybody's comments together and write about it. And so the newsletter is full of not just content that's coming from me, it's coming from all all of you. And that's what I love about it. I'm so excited about what she's doing and then taking that newsletter in a direction that I believe all of you will really, really enjoy. So go subscribe to the newsletter um, and also go join the Life Giver group. Um, that's a little bit more conversational. 
Um, so that's lots of fun. And I'm so thankful to have them on the team and to have the help for sure, because um, it's one of the reasons why I take those sabbaticals, because I would get so content fatigued by the end of the year. I just couldn't do it all. And we're not supposed to be able to do it all. We're supposed to ask for help and we're supposed to um, lean into other people's strengths. And um, it's been such a joy for me to be able to do that and see Life Giver really change and be better. So I'm excited about 2020 and what's coming with that. She's got some fun, exciting contests within the newsletter. And she's just been super creative and thinking of things that I would have never thought of. And so it's a lot of fun. So I hope you'll go subscribe. Okay. In other news, Team Weathers found out where we're PCSing next. And I am really excited actually to say that our next duty station is Fort Hood, Texas. We'll be arriving there this summer. So if you're in Fort Hood, I hope to see you. Um, it was actually our first choice, believe it or not. We have some great friends there at Fort Hood, great support. Um, I have good connections with um, opportunities in Texas to include Baylor University. They're a fantastic um, group over at their social work department. And so I'm looking forward to maybe working more with them. And um, yeah, so we're super, super excited. So as we're rolling out the podcast, um, we're going to be getting ready for another PCS. And um, I'm actually really excited about um, the I'm, I've got some good plans. I'm not going to make a full announcement in this episode, but I've got some fun plans um, to maybe partner with Military One Source to help me PCS um, and do that publicly. So I was just in D.C. this past week and got to do a walkthrough in the Military One Source call center and was just, I mean, I've always been impressed with Military One Source. I'm going to be a Military One Source provider already, but um, to see all that they're doing, there's just so much that um, we're not aware of and that they make available that... Um, I hope to work with them throughout the PCS so that I can showcase publicly some of that. So, um, so yeah, so we're, we know we're going, um, believe me, just because I'm excited about going to Fort hood doesn't mean I'm not going to have issues adapting again, but hopefully you won't hear me go through all of what I did in last season's podcast, kind of sharing all of that, just maybe in a different way that hopefully is helpful to the rest of you guys who, um, who experienced some of those thoughts and feelings around PCS as well. So that's kind of the biggest updates for right now on 2020. Um, other than if you are in Texas, if you're in San Antonio or Fort Hood, I actually will be joining Mill Spouse Fest again in March and we are coming there to Texas. Um, so you'll, you'll be seeing that in the newsletter and on Facebook. Um, I'd love to see you at any of those events. They're so, so fun and they're free. And so be on the lookout for Mill Spouse Fest if you're in Texas. Um, okay. Other, and I've got some other speaking engagements that you'll see as well. Just be on the Facebook page, either of those group pages, and we'll make sure that you know when I'm coming to your area in case I can hug your neck and say hello in person. Now for today's topic, um, I thought that I would share with you a little bit about what I've been learning, um, over the holidays. And while I was taking a break from the podcast and getting ready for season five, um, it's kind of an interesting topic that I hope that you'll get something from. I've been thinking a lot about it. I've been talking with some spouses here at Fort Leavenworth about it as well. 
I've been running a spouses group and kind of testing that out. It gives me a way to kind of volunteer locally. And so I've been running a spouse group um, where we talk about leadership topics and how spouses are doing, how they're specifically doing, and giving them a safe place to just kind of process where they are in life. And this was a topic that came up that we've been working through. And I thought it would be really great, maybe season one or season five, episode one starter. And that is the topic of timing and tact. And there's going to be a lot of tease throughout this episode. There's just no way around it. Um, But I thought I would share a little bit of what I have learned and what I'm seeing in the spouse culture specifically around um, expressing our feelings. And hopefully this is helpful to you. And so before I talk about timing and tact, I want to kind of set up um, how this could be applied to your life. Cause I think this can be applied in almost every area of your life. If you are 18 or older, for sure, because this is an issue of what it means to grow up, what it means to become an adult and what we commonly refer to as adulting. And it's adulting is not really fun. And it's, um, I think all of us would love to at any moment, just act like a child and throw a temper tantrum. That would sometimes be so much easier. Right. And there's some of you out there. I know I feel like this sometimes that it would just be nice to have a day where we could just act like a child for a day. And I wish that I could do that sometimes. Um, but then my next thought is, Oh, what would come after that? Like, especially if somebody else was in the room, right? Like the things that I would have to apologize for, the mess I would have to clean up. And that brings us back to adulting, right? How tiring it is to always try to do the right thing and to be in control of our words and to express ourselves in healthy ways that are productive. And that's the hard part about growing up. And I wanted to bring this up specifically for this podcast because um, I'm not sure I'd love to hear from the first responders out there if you guys feel feel this way. But um, in the military culture, um, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of etiquette and there's a lot of tradition and there's a lot of right way of doing things. And that can make a lot of spouses in particular feel kind of trapped or kind of feel like they're closed in and can't kind of have the normal human reactions that they would like to have. And so that's kind of where this topic came up to you. But I think regardless of who you are and where you're coming from, I think this applies to everybody because timing and tact and how we use our words is important in our parenting. It's important in our marriages. It's important in our jobs. And it's definitely important in any kind of leadership position that you could take on or any level of influence as it grows for you. And so it's an adulting issue, but it's also a leadership issue. Um, Leaders don't become leaders by not having self-control. Celebrities might, but not leaders. People are watching and following and trust that you're a good leader and want to keep you in that love, that position of influence to remain a leader. And that means that they trust that you're doing the right thing with your words and your actions to remain in that position as a leader. Now there's tons of celebrity out there. There's tons of, um, of social media influencers and YouTubers, and I'm not saying that they're all bad. I'm just saying that there's a a lot of, um, influencing, um, celebrity that's happening in our culture today. And our kids are really influenced by this, that you can become a celebrity overnight by a video going viral. Um, but that doesn't mean that your celebrity is long lasting. 
And a lot of these influencers are gaining that influence through saying something impulsively even or or expressing what they're feeling in the moment as they're feeling it. So whether it's something that we express on Twitter or Facebook or YouTube, um, it is really popular to just kind of say how we feel when we feel it, regardless of whether or not it's the right timing to actually do that. And I know all of us have been there. You know, we've been in our marriages in the middle of a conflict when you say something in the moment because you have this emotional flooding that comes up and you just say something because you feel it. And then you have a lot of mess to clean up in your marriage because it's not really, it wasn't the best way to say it. It definitely wasn't the best timing to say it. And it wasn't the best way to say it either. And so it wasn't productive. And perhaps you've experienced that on the job, or maybe you've been on the receiving end of somebody not being tactful in the way that they're presenting a problem to you. And so I think this is really important when it comes to us just learning how to be adult but also how to be leaders um, within our community and within our marriages too. And our kids definitely need to see us do this the right way too. So I've been thinking a lot about this over the holidays, thinking about it in my own life, how I can express myself with better timing and tact within my marriage and with my kids as well. Um, And how do I do that with all of you? How do I do that publicly? You might be thinking about the TRICARE video that I put out this last year. If you've not seen the TRICARE video, it was um, an open video to TRICARE that I made last year after months and months, almost a year of frustration and trying to enroll as a TRICARE provider um, as a military spouse too, and just hitting so many roadblocks. I finally did an open video to TRICARE to try to get their attention and try to get some things fixed. And, you know, one of the things that I saw, because it went viral, at least from what I've, my experience of viral, not the world's experience of viral, but it went everywhere. And to me, viral means it it went through the Pentagon. It went to the secretary of defense's office. It went to senators. It went to a lot of places that I was expecting it not to go, but it also opened several doors for me to include some doors that I walked through even this week, um, in DC that would not have happened had we, had I not made the video. And one of the comments I remember seeing underneath the video was, wow, if Corey is mad, then this really must be an issue. And that really stood out to me um, as a positive comment because I normally don't throw out, you know, stuff on social media or publicly that's just my emotions in the moment, um, mainly because I'm I'm scared I'm going to say something wrong or I'm, I'm scared that I don't have all the information. And I'm really, honestly, it's not a good feeling to get schooled by somebody when you said something just because you emotionally had a reaction to it and then you didn't have all the right information. And so it was surprising to some people for me to put that TRICARE video because I was very frustrated in that video. And I did show some emotion in that video more than I normally would. But what was happening behind the scenes is that it was months and months of frustration, months of talking with Matt about it, months of processing and doing my homework and trying to figure out if it was something that I was doing that was wrong um, or what I could do better or seeing if there were other people that were going through it too. And I had to wait for the right timing of putting it out. And the part of the right timing was me getting to the very end of, of at least that battle, that frustration and not being able to see a way out of it and not having the answer, but more importantly, Matt giving me the permission to do it. It wasn't something that was impulsively done. And I just threw it out there and hope for the best. Matt gave me the permission to say, 
I think it's time. I think it's time for you to say something. And I had processed it enough with him um, that I found the right words to hopefully express it with tact. And so we're going to talk about that today. How do we um, feel a set of emotions and then learn how to say them with the right timing and tact so that they're productive and we're actually seeing the change happen in our parenting, at work, in our marriages, um, in the world, if you're advocating for different things in a way that's actually effective. And I am still, I'm not perfect at this. I'm not, I am still really working on this in my own life because it is not an easy thing to do because here's the thing. Emotions are involuntary at first. In other words, when you have emotional flooding, it's not really something you can control when somebody um, wounds you or, or is disrespectful and you have this emotional flooding of just anger all of a sudden, right? Um, there's a lot of debate over whether or not you can control your feelings. And you may not be able to control the initial feeling that comes up, but you definitely can control what you do next. You can control what you do with those emotions, whether or not you entertain that emotion and get even more angry, um, or whether you choose to process it, um, or whether or not you choose to pause and have the self-control to slow down and give yourself time to find the right words to say it in a more productive way. So, I thought it would be good to really walk you through what I have figured out in the importance of timing intact, but also how you can implement it maybe a little bit better in your life. So we're going to start with timing. Um, timing is obviously really important in that I've already hinted at just because we feel an emotion doesn't mean it's the right timing to say it. You probably have done this on Facebook where just because you got, you had a really strong reaction to something that happened in, in that day's news that you threw those emotions, um, out on, in the social media world. And then it caused everybody else to have an emotional reaction and probably nothing got accomplished, right? Nothing got accomplished except people getting hurt, people getting even more upset and nobody benefited from it at all. And that's one of the things that's just really trendy in our culture right now to think that just because we have an emotion and just because we think we have a feeling that it's right to express it. So the truth is, is that we all have the right to have an emotional response. We all have the right to have an opinion about it. And we also have the right to express it. That doesn't mean that it's effective to do it right then and there. And that's the difference um, between being aggressive and being assertive. So we often know what passive means. Passive means that we don't say anything at all, right? Aggressive means we say it by also attacking someone's character in the process. Um, just really aggressively throwing words and feelings and thoughts and opinions out there and attacking someone's character in the process. That's not where we want to be either. There is this kind of, it's not even in the middle, it's not even middle ground. It's kind of like a third option, which is to be assertive. And assertive means that I have a right to have a feeling. I have a right to have an opinion. And I also have the right to ask you to change your behavior. But I can express those things in the right timing without attacking your character. So it's kind of this healthier response. So instead of being passive and not saying it at all and saying, I guess I don't have the right to say it or and I think that's what a lot of our military spouses are feeling, by the way, in the culture, they have um, been conditioned over time to think that they don't have a right to complain or they don't have the right to express their frustration at something or that they should um, that they're going to be labeled as negative or or a dependa. That's a word that was used for a long time for spouses that were complaining too much. Um, you have a right to be frustrated. 
but we just have to learn how to do it assertively. And I think that step of going from passive to assertiveness is about understanding we have a right to express it, but then we have to learn how to express it. And there's many of you that have gone so passive that the idea of assertively advocating for yourself feels aggressive, but I'm telling you, it probably isn't. Unless you're attacking someone's character, it's probably more assertive than you think. And then there's coming from the other direction of aggressiveness. The difference would be that aggressiveness, if you're attacking someone's character, that if we could just slow down and say, I have the right to express my thoughts and my feelings in the right way without attacking your character. And you have a right to express them to me without attacking my character. It's a much healthier choice to make. So part of having the right timing and expressing our feelings is maybe pausing for those of you who are aggressive Or maybe for those of you who are passive, learning how to pause and find your words and find your confidence. Either way, self-control is a huge part of this process that we can't throw a temper tantrum and say that the military or the structure in place or these other spouses or whoever it is in your life is keeping me from expressing my feelings. You assertively have the right to your feelings, but you also carry the responsibility in how you choose to say them and when you choose to say them. And that's timing. Timing is waiting for the right moment, maybe a window to open up, an opportunity to open up when the ears that are listening can actually hear what you're saying, process it the way that you're saying it, and it actually leads to productive change or movement. And that means that sometimes we have to take a couple days, a couple weeks even, to think about what it is that we're wanting to talk about. In marriage, I see this all the time in my marriage and other people's marriages, That just because you want something to change doesn't mean we can just blurt it out however we want to say it and expect that change to happen. And that's the best way for that change to happen. You know, I often find that the the more emotionally charged the topic and the stronger of emotion that you have about it, the more careful you need to be, the more self-control you need to be, and the more you need to consider the timing in how you present it. So if you guys are struggling with finances, let's say, and you fight about that, then maybe you don't spontaneously bring it up with your spouse. You arrange the right timing and give yourself the right um, amount of time also to find how to say it in a way that's not going to trigger defensiveness in your spouse. So I tell, especially wives all the time, men do great, and I think we do too, but men do great when you can say, Hey, um, tonight at dinner or next Tuesday, I would really love to sit down and talk with you about our finances in a very positive way. Maybe we can sit down and dream about our goals for the future and what we would do if we could kind of save up more money, spin the positive on that just a little bit. Um, and, and set up a good time for the window of his mind to open up, to be more receiving of that topic instead of right when he walks in the door saying, Hey, I want to talk to you about the checkbook, right? That's not good timing. And so it's very respectful to whoever it is that you're talking to, that the bigger the topic, the bigger, the minefield, the more emotionally charged the topic is, the more we've got to pause, have the self-control and think about what's the best timing for this. Um, I know over the holidays for us, 
Um, we were really wrestling through where we were going to go next. And there was a lot of self-control within me because of my low adaptability on Strength Finder that, you know, I was really getting anxious and nervous about where we were going to go next. And um, that's not something I can just go all over social media and talk about all that nervous energy and how I wish that um, the process was smoother or whatever, I wish that they would inform the families when it's coming and what's happening behind the scenes. Like it's just not helpful and it's not the best timing, right? And so I had to really work on the self-control myself and it has nothing to do with rank structure or I mean, yes, etiquette is part of it. It's just having respect for other people and respect for the hard work that they're doing to just slow down and wait till I have the right words for it. So timing is super, super important. It gives us that pause. It gives us the ability to have self-control and it also waits for the window that opens up. Let me give you kind of going back to the TRICARE example. Let me give you just one other example of how important that timing can be. I made that TRICARE video last spring, almost a year ago, I made that video. And just this last week, I had some amazing meetings in DC, um, productive meetings um, about those topics that I brought up last spring in the TRICARE video, because I didn't storm the castle. I worked um, what solutions I could work out, took my time on it, made sure I was informed and had all the right information so that when this window opened, it was the perfect timing to have a respectful, professional conversation with Department of Defense about how we could make some of these changes that to me are very simple. But to those that are actually implementing those changes, it may not be as simple for them. And that was just about having that respect instead of me storming the castle thinking that I had all the solutions. So I just want to kind of give that example to say not as a pat on my back, although I was really proud of, of myself over the last year and how difficult that has been to really have the self-control and not get too frustrated publicly and think that just um, slandering the military or slandering our leaders is going to lead to any change. Um, there's better ways to do it. And so that leads us to tact, right? What is tact? Tact is the way in which we say it. If timing is when we're expressing our feelings, tact is how we say it. And it's hugely important because even Gottman, who studies conflict in marriages and what leads to a successful marriage, he even says that when you have that emotional flooding and you're defensive and you're in a conflict, your heart rate goes up. And he even said that I think it was um, your heart rate goes above 90, if it does, that um, not only can you not hear what your spouse is saying, but you're probably not communicating well either. And so he talks about how if, if your heart rate gets above 90, the best thing that you can do in your marriage, especially is to call a timeout, call a timeout where you both can slow yourselves down, have that self-control to control your emotions, bring your heart rate down, and then you can actually approach the conversation with better tact, better words, um, words that are productive, words that the other person can actually hear and understand instead of feeling like you're attacking them or you feeling like they're attacking you. And so I've been thinking so much about this over the holidays before um, season five was launching of how could I implement more timing and tact in my life so that um, I could become a better leader, so that I can encourage you to become a better leader. 
And so I wanted to give just um, a couple of tips, practical tips of how you can implement this maybe a little bit better in your life. Maybe you'll hear something that you haven't tried before that you can even help your kids with. This is a great tool for teaching your kids on how to control their emotions and how to form their words. Um, we need to say that to us, to each other as adults. Sometimes I think we need to go to each other and say, let's go find our words, right? Let's use our words. <laughs> and so um, here's a couple tips. Number one. Um, especially if you're going to be expressing yourself in public, um, maybe outside of your marriage, because sometimes marriage is a safe place to just process your feelings and get things out and, and maybe say all the things that you wouldn't say publicly. But especially if you are saying something in a leadership position at work to a team, advocacy, anything like that, um, probably the, the right timing to express yourself is not when you're emotionally feeling all those feelings. So if I am presently experiencing all of those emotions, it's probably not the best timing to say them. In other words, if I'm standing in front of a group of people and I'm feeling very frustrated about, let's say, um, PCS timelines, I'll use that since we just found out where we're PCSing. Um, if I'm actively frustrated myself with PCS timelines and I'm leading a group of people or if I'm in a position of leadership, it's probably not the best timing for me to try to lead them through their frustration of PCS timelines when I'm in the middle of my frustration. That's not being a good leader. That's just joining in, in the mess of emotion, right? We all have assertively the right to feel that frustration and we all have the right to express our opinions on them. But especially if I'm in a leadership position or if I want to be seen as a mentor, it's probably not the best timing for me to lead everybody else if I'm actively in that frustration myself. So that's more of a protest when I think about it. So I know that it's probably better timing if I process through that myself. And that may mean I tell people, you know what, I'm frustrated too. I don't know if I can give you the best answers for that right now, but I can validate that it is frustrating. That is leadership and being able to acknowledge and validate those emotions, but maybe it's not the best time for me to come up with those solutions until I've taken that pause, processed it, found my words, and maybe found even some action steps to then take to them to help them walk them through it. So the lesson learned here is if you are presently feeling the, those emotions around that topic, it's probably not the best time for you to express them publicly. Wait until the emotions subside, then lead people in a discussion on it. So that's number one. Number two, when it comes to tact, there are some topics that maybe you're not the best person to lead people through that discussion at all. So if, if it is a topic that triggers past issues for you or that you're still triggered emotionally by, um, it's not a bad thing to pass that off to somebody else. If what you're talking them through is just triggering an emotional flooding response for you, um, then you're not going to lead well through that either. And so maybe asking someone else to lead that discussion so that you're not hooked and triggered into those emotions yourself is a wise move. And that's, that's a great way for you to be a tactful leader um, and, a, and a leader that's self-aware. And so if I'm thinking about like parenting is a great example, you've, it's really a simple example. You've been asking them to hang up their backpack after school on the hook when they walk in the door and your child is just not doing it. And you're getting more and more frustrated. And every day that child does not hang up his backpack and you just find yourself just getting more and more angry. And you ask your spouse for help, right? And you go to 
to your spouse and say, I need your help to talk with little Johnny about hanging up his backpack. Because as soon as it's you and your spouse and Johnny sitting there talking about hanging up his backpack, if you try to lead that discussion, and as soon as Johnny says something like, well, I don't want to hang up my backpack or why do I have to hang up my backpack? Or I'm frustrated that mommy keeps telling me to hang up my backpack. It's going to easily hook those feelings of frustration for you. And you're going to be parenting that conversation out of that frustration instead of passing and tag teaming to your spouse to go, can you please help lead this conversation? Cause I'm just too frustrated about this topic to feel like I can lead it with tact, right? That is a a person, a parent, a mom, um, a leader who is self-aware of their triggers and self-aware of their emotions and what they're capable of Um, to be able to pass that on to the next person if that's a better place and a better way to do it. Um, So, okay. Ways that you can find your tact. Okay. So obviously a huge part of this process is pausing. Um, Franklin Covey talks about um, owning your own weather. They talk about how like, just because, you know, you're frustrated, you have to own your own frustration. You have to be responsible for your own frustration. And so if you're kind of having a frustrating day, own your own weather, be responsible for it, hit a pause button, and then um, decide what you're going to do with it. Instead of just reacting in the moment. None of us are perfect with this, by the way, you got to give yourself a lot of grace. Um, but own your own weather pause. And then they say, you do have control of how you react to your emotions. Um, and tact is being able to do certain things in that pause that help you find your words. So you can try things like journaling. Journaling is fantastic for me to find my words. Um, you can try, talking with a safe friend or your spouse without um, slandering the other person. If you're talking about a situation outside of the two of you to be careful to not slander that other person Um, processing your words, going to a counselor or a pastor or a chaplain to help you find those words and figure out what is it about the situation that's bothering you? What is the root issue? Oftentimes there's a root issue that's bothering you. That's probably connected to things that happen in your child childhood or in your adolescence, or there's themes throughout your life. I'm always telling people, look for the themes, right? There's always themes that just hook us every time. It might be that your dad left you when you were a child. And then it just seems like there's a theme in your life of abandonment. So that when that friend um, didn't show up for you, when you needed them to show up for you, it triggers that abandonment. Like, why does everybody leave me? Right? Those are themes that happen. So looking for those themes will help you be really self-aware and figure out what's really bothering you and what are the words so that you can go. It's not just about this friend that abandoned me. It's about the fact that I am somebody who feels abandoned and I, and that's a different conversation, right? It's one thing to go to a friend and say, you know, and I'm just so angry with you because I set aside all this time today and you didn't show up. That's one thing that's emotional, but to be able to go, you know, I'm really sensitive to the fact that I've lost a few friends. I lost my dad when I was young and, um, I just want to make sure that our friendship is okay because I think it triggered in me a fear of losing my friendship with you when you didn't show up. That's a whole other conversation. That's, that's owning your own weather, being responsible for your emotions, hitting a pause button, figuring out what that root cause is, that root issue that you're wanting to address, and then giving that person the respect of expressing it tactfully in a way that they can hear it and respond to it in a much healthier way. 
So I know that this is um, a tough topic. It doesn't feel good to adult. It doesn't feel good to be the bigger person. You know, all of us would probably love a day to just act like a child with no consequences. But the truth is, is that um, consequences are a lot harder to clean up. Um, It's not easy and it's not fun. And to all those military spouses that are listening out there, um, look, I know that sometimes this highly regulated, structured lifestyle can make any one of us feel kind of controlled and feel like there's limits and that we can't have normal human reactions. I'm hearing that from a lot of people. Um, And some of you are saying that you wish that senior spouses, those more seasoned spouses, um, were more expressive of their emotions um, and that they're not coming across as authentic. And I just want to challenge that and go, you know what I think it is? First of all, there's different generations in how we approach things. But I think it's also that over time, you learn how to approach big topics, especially emotionally charged topics with better timing and tact. And that might look like somebody is more reserved or more in control of their emotions. And it's not that they're not being authentic. It's more that they're learning how to slow themselves down and not just react as quickly as you might. And maybe that gives us a little bit more grace to people in your life that don't react as quickly as you do. And that maybe that's what they're doing. Maybe they've just learned to slow things down just a little bit and try to offer tact and wisdom instead of um, venting emotion that may not be quite as productive. And so believe me, there is definitely time and place for venting and for emotion. And, um, and I think that when you want to do that, it's okay for you to tell somebody, hey, can I just have five minutes to vent? It's, it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be like, it's going to sound like a kid having a temper tantrum, but I just need to vent in a safe place and get this out so that I can then find my words and know how to express this in a better way. And that's healthy. That's definitely healthy. So there's a time and place for venting, but there's a, um, there's definitely a usefulness and there's a maturity that we can find with timing and tact. So hopefully that gives you guys a couple things to think about, um, as you find yourself in leadership positions, maybe applying it to your marriage. Um, maybe if there's a tough topic that you guys need to have in your marriage today, that maybe you find a good time to do it and maybe take some time to journal it out and talk with a safe person for marriage issues. I would always recommend that you either speak with a counselor that you never process um, the emotions in your marriage towards your spouse, that we don't express those and have conversations about problems in our marriage or emotions in our marriage with someone of the opposite sex. That's one of those things that we can do to protect our marriage. So find a very, very trustworthy um, person of the same sex to talk about that with. Um, But even better, going to a counselor, a pastor, or a chaplain that can hold that in confidence and just give you that safe place to vent and find your words. It's a much better approach to especially the bigger topics in your marriage. Um, But just kind of slowing down and finding your words is always better, especially in your marriage. Um, Always good, especially if you're in your job and you're approaching your boss to not react and do say things too quickly. Um, You will find that the more timing and tact that you use, the bigger your circle of influence will get. I really do believe that. So if that's something that you're wanting to gain, you know, more influence or more leadership opportunities, 
consider um, slowing yourself down and really choosing your words more carefully and taking some time to be intentional with that. It is a really, really hard thing to do, especially to all you extroverts out there who process things out loud. So um, hopefully this is helpful for you today. I've missed all of you. I'm excited about season five. There's already some wonderful interviews lined up, um, some great resources that we're going to feature this year. Um, I've already done some of those interviews, so I'm really excited to get them out. Uh, Some great, wonderful stories that are coming out. And you know that's my favorite. I love to share stories. I expect Matt to join me a little bit. There is a really good chance he will be he'll be deploying for the second half of the of the year. So not as much as I was hoping that he would join me in 2020, um, but that will create I'm sure even more content for us to talk about in season five. So thank you so much for joining me, season five. I'm excited about this year. I'm so thrilled to serve each of you, and I think I'm going to end today's episode with something that somebody said to me this past week, and it was so sweet and so lovely. I thought I would say it to you as a way to end today's episode. And that is whatever you are doing, whatever it is that you are working on, you are enough. What you have already done is enough. Thanks for joining me. Welcome to season five. I'm so excited for what we have in store. Thanks for listening to the Life Giver Podcast. If you're enjoying these conversations as being free of advertising or sponsorship, please help me by spreading the word to other military and first responder families that might benefit from the show. If you'd like to find out more about me or Life Giver, you can find more information at www.coryweathers.com or life-giver.org. Hey.